So great to see everybody, and welcome to Awaken Church. This is a little small. So I hope your season is going well. Uh, Jacob is the man. But I hope your season is going well. And uh, it is a crazy season, a busy season, a season of hectic schedules, but it's meant to be full of joy, the Christmas spirit, excitement. But maybe this Advent season isn't that for you. Maybe it's a a season um, that should be exciting, but there's something scary about it. Maybe you've uh, lost a loved one. Maybe you don't know how you're going to uh, have enough money to get through Christmas. Maybe you're just not sure what things are going to look like with family. Everybody kind of is a little afraid of that Christmas family gathering where it's like, yeah, everybody's going to have a great time. And it's like, but do you remember last year? And so this season, which should be so exciting, is actually a little scary. But we certainly don't tell the kids that. We give them lots of sugar and lots of presents because that will make them happy in this season. I share that because you guys are in week two of our series, Questions Kids Ask and Parents Are Afraid to Answer. And the question that we're going to tackle this morning is, what should I do when I get scared? Last week, one of the things we looked at was kids ask these questions and um, adults are just big kids. So we ask these questions as well. And we shared uh, a couple of big truths. Often, one is that we are just too afraid to answer some of these big questions. And not only are we afraid, we're too busy. And so it's easier just to fill our lives with busyness. Then the other is, what if our answers are wrong? And so we're caught running around, hoping to have the right answer, or we're caught running around being busy so we don't have to answer the questions. So today we're going to look at that question. But before, I think we need to recap one crucial thing that we covered last week. Um... I think, I think this will help us. So I wanted to invite uh, dear friends of mine. I'm putting them on the spot. So I'm going to give them a complicated task. They are going to take this, Randy and Carlene. So, yeah, you guys are just going to stretch this all, all the way across as far as you can go. It might need a little unraveling, but we, we worked on it. So just keep going. Woo! All right, Carlene. That's great. Do you guys want to say anything to each other? Any, any, any whispers? Anything you want to communicate in front of anybody? Awesome. Why don't you guys give it a test run? Give it a test run. How does it work? What'd you say, Randy? All right. That would have been my answer, too. I don't know. (laughs) So uh, we see this long string, and we looked at the question, the scary question last week, is the Bible really true? It's a scary question, and this is what the world does. This is what so many do, is they say the Bible is not true. And they take these children's safety scissors, 
And they come next to the string and they attempt to cut and cut and cut. There's just a simple problem. The string won't cut. The string won't cut because the Bible is faithful and true in all of its promises internally. That's what we looked at. God has never failed to keep a promise that he made. And then the second thing is, as we've looked at internally, the Bible is true. Externally, archaeology, history continues to prove over and over again that the attempts of man to cut God's promises fail. This is going to set us up to be able to answer the question, what do we do when we get scared? Because we've already established the foundation that the Bible is true and trustworthy in all things. So give it up. Carlene and Randy, thank you guys. So you guys don't have to wind it up. Um, and that's my Christmas gift to you guys this season too. So um, I, I, I'm not sure. So I wouldn't pour anything in it. There's a hole at the bottom of that cup. So let's come back to our question. What do we do when we are scared? Um, again, kids, they might be afraid of the dark. My kids are. Corbin told me that last night at 1030. Dad, I'm scared. They might be scared of monsters in the closets or any number of things. But adults, I think adults are scared and petrified as well. See, adults are afraid of change. They're afraid of the future. There's often plenty of mistakes and skeletons in the closet of an adult life. And they're afraid, what if that's going to happen again? Many things keep us in fear. So we've looked at this question. We've looked at last week. I'd like to invite you to turn in Scripture with me to 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel 3. The story is about a young boy, uh, but he is no longer a small child. He's, he's probably a teenager at this point. Uh, and his name is Samuel. Um, and, and Samuel has a reason to be afraid in this story. We're going to read it together, but he hears voices in the dark. Now, I don't know about you guys. But voices in the dark scare me, especially if you don't know where you're coming from. You're the only person in the room. And I think, too, you're scared for these voices. But the, the reality is, is, again, as parents, I share Corbin told me I'm scared. I know what that's like as a dad to have someone come to me and say, I'm scared. Something's frightening me. I think if we're honest we're all afraid as well. Maybe it's when we're drifting off to sleep and we think about something. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it manifests itself in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different voices pressing into our lives. And so 1 Samuel 3, uh, we're going to read it in a second, but to briefly set the story up, I shared it's about a young teenager, Samuel. Uh, the time is the era of the Judges, which is about circa 1100 BC. There's no king in Israel. So it's just this tribal collection that comes together and worships God at Shiloh, which is where uh, the Ark of the Covenant is, where the tabernacle is. 
And everyone does what they want in the tribe. There's no obedience. Everyone just does what they want. And as a result of this sin, God continues to bring people up that are going to oppress them. So God's people are constantly being oppressed and yet constantly being saved by a judge that God raises up. The story centers on a couple, Elkanah and Hannah. And the challenge with this couple is that Hannah is barren. She cannot conceive. Nevertheless, she worships God, begs God, prays God, receives a blessing from the priest and ends up giving birth But she begged God for a child with the condition that if God gave her a child, she would dedicate that child to him and send him to be in the house of the Lord to serve God. Again, everybody's doing what they wanted, but here's Hannah, a righteous young woman worshiping God and saying, I will obey you and and I will promise to covenant with you to give my son to you to give my child to you. Samuel's born several years later. He comes in to serve the house of the Lord under the high priest, uh, Eli. So this is the characters. This is the story. Let's dive right in. And what we're going to do is we're just going to read a few verses. We'll stop and unpack that. And my hope is that as we traverse this passage, the question of what do I do when I'm scared becomes easier for us to answer. And not only for us to answer as big kids, but for us to help our little kids answer as well. So verses 1 and 2. 1 Samuel 3. The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose sight was failing, was lying in his room. Let's just stop real quick. The story is trying to tell us something right here. Something is not right. Something is not right. And isn't that how fear begins? Isn't that how being scared begins? Something is not right. And that's how every horror movie starts. Something's not right. And the text says so because the word of God is rare No one's really hearing from God. And it says the priest can't see. So no one's hearing from God, and there's blindness in the leaders who are supposed to be leading God, the people of God. This is why something is not right in that story. And maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like, I haven't heard from God in a while. Maybe you just feel like you're not seeing things the way God wants you to. Maybe you feel like you're not seeing things at all and things just keep blindsiding you. Your eyes are growing dim. And this is reflective of the time. The time is one of fear. Enemies are without, oppressing the people of God. And they are crying out, what about our kids? What about our inheritance? God, where are you? The time was one of fear. We face those times as well. Uncertain economic times. What about our 401k? We face fears of, well, what about this person and that person and this world leader? 
We are afraid as well. Verses 3 and 4, the story continues. Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. Let's stop. Again, the story is telling us something. God is not done here. Do you catch what the text says? Before the lamp of God had gone out. The lamp of God had not been extinguished. The story is trying to tell us that God is still going to do something. Your present circumstances don't dictate the arc of redemption and the story that God has and is going to weave. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And so if you're here feeling like there's no hope and you're lost, would you take comfort in this story? The lamp of God has not gone out. The lamp is still burning and the Lord calls. God is always calling. Samuel runs and he says, here I am. This is a funny story. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, I was in bed, asleep, and we, my wife and I have a five-month-old, and so he wakes up uh, once or twice during the night, and uh, my wife nurses him, and, and so I was asleep, and all, all of a sudden, I just feel a presence, and then I hear a very loud whisper from about six inches away from my face, Now, I didn't know what to do, but I was awake now. And in my mind, there's a lot of things that are going on. I'm, I'm a little afraid something's wrong with one of the kids. Um, there's uh, someone outside, and I'm going to go out and get a flashlight and my sword and walk around my house. <laughs> like, there's, I'm, I'm a little afraid. I'm afraid because in the past several years ago, when I've been woken up that way, we've had to go on to an emergency trip in the hospital. There's a lot of things in my mind that's like, so I didn't know what to do. So I, just lying there, I went, Stephanie. <laughs> right back at her. And she goes, oh my gosh, you're awake. And I just was like, yeah, I'm awake. You just breathed, whispered my name in the middle of the night. She's like, oh, I didn't know if you're awake or not. <laughs> well, I am now, dear. I am now. Um, and she just couldn't go to sleep. Um, there's some things on her heart that she wanted to talk about. Um, and so, uh, I've made the mistake previously as a husband in marriage to, to not be kind to my wife when she wakes me up like that. But this time I was like, let's just talk about it. And so we stayed up for another 45 minutes at like 3.30 a.m. talking about life and stuff. And it was okay. We went to bed and we woke up surprisingly refreshed and rested but I kind of think that that's what Samuel hears in his bed as he's lying there. Samuel. So the only other person in the house is Eli. So he goes, runs to Eli. Let's pick up the story. Verse 5. He ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. I didn't call, Eli replied. Go and lie down. So he went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. I didn't call you my son, he replied. Go and lie down. 
Now, Samuel had not yet experienced the Lord because the word of the Lord had yet not yet been revealed to him. And so two additional times, Samuel runs to Eli, the only person who could theoretically be speaking right now. And Eli says, go back and lie down. And then we, we, we hear the explanation why. Recognizing God's word, having a revelation from God is not something that Samuel had experienced. I think this is important because, you see, we don't manufacture God's revelation. God speaks to us. God shares to us. God calls us. The story says the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed. And again, the story is telling us something. That revelation is coming. Um, I love how Samuel's in the right place, though. He was in the house of the Lord as a young teenager. And I look across this room and I see a lot of young kids, a lot of young teenagers. And I just want to say, you guys are in the right place. Even if you feel like maybe you haven't experienced God's word, you haven't really caught the picture of Christ and scripture and what God has done for you, you're in the right place. Samuel was in the right place, and he was in the right place to parents because his mother made a commitment to put him in the right place. Let's keep reading. Verses 8 and 9. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli, and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, Go and lie down. If he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Eli, the high priest, discerns what's going on. He's discerning that God is calling Samuel. Again, the word of the Lord was rare in this time. And so Eli instructs Samuel what he should do. And Samuel goes and he lies down. When was the last time you were scared? You heard a voice in the dark. But you were scared... And you stopped and you did what Samuel did. Because Eli instructed him to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. When was the last time you were afraid and scared and not sure what you were going to do, but you said, you know what? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You know, I know I'm not wired that way sometimes. I'm wired in that if I'm scared or I'm not sure what to do or something's going on, all right, let me get a plan. Let me get a plan together for this. I think that's how most guys are wired sometimes. Let's, let's hatch a plan. Let's go to the drawing board. Let's figure this out. But Eli instructs Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Imagine what would happen possibly to our calendars if we started to say that before we filled them out. Imagine what would happen possibly to our bank accounts 
if we, before we allocated all of our funding, we said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Imagine what would happen to maybe our days if we said that. Our future plans. Imagine what God could do if we said those simple words to him, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Verse 10, the Lord came and stood there and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak for your servant is listening. I love that. The Lord came as he'd done before. Has not God come time and time and time again as he's done before? Even if we don't get it, even if we failed in the past, even if there's skeletons in our closet, even if we're full of fear, God comes as he has before and calls our name. Let's keep reading verses 11 through 14. Um, one thing I would like to interject too um, is uh, this is a Q&A series, so we've got a few minutes at the end uh, of the sermon. If you have questions or thoughts um, that you'd love to ask, um, you can just text them in to awakenqna at gmail.com. I think that um, address is there, so text or email. So feel free to go ahead and do that if you have questions um, or thoughts and you'd like to share that. Let's keep reading verses 11 through 14. The Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel that everyone who hears about it will shudder. Some, some messages say everyone who hears about it, their ears will tingle. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family from beginning to end. I told him that I was going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. His sons are defiling the sanctuary and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I've sworn to Eli's family, the iniquity of Eli's family will never be wiped out by either sacrifice or offering. See, up to this point, the story has been a, a little lighthearted. We're learning about a young teenager and how he's learning about how to hear from God. And, and when he finally does hear from God, can you imagine living with the high priest, learning from the high priest for 10 years, but all of a sudden hearing from God that there's going to be a punishment upon this man and his family? I think that would be a little scary. I think that would be a little frightening. I think when we read scripture, we can read passages of scripture and walk away absolutely terrified of what's going to happen. And so let's unpack these verses. And I think, again, going back to last week, God is visibly promising something that he will do in history to Samuel. God has never made a promise he failed to keep. And God is going to exercise judgment on Eli and his family. And part of the reason why comes from a few chapters beforehand. And so we have to ask ourselves, what then is the problem? Why is God going to exercise judgment? The problem is sin. The problem has always been sin. And the problem in Eli's case is corrupt priests. Eli's sons and Eli himself 
We're no longer standing for the truth and righteousness and no longer had the character. So what were they doing? Eli, see, Eli knew about the sins of his sons who were going to be the next priest in Israel. And yet he did nothing. He failed to restrain evil in his midst. He did nothing. And his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they sinned in some big ways. But those big ways, I think, are very familiar to us. The first is they were greedy for sacrifices. They were greedy for money. They were greedy for what the people of Israel could give to them as priests. And they wanted the fat portions. And this ties into Eli didn't restrain them. And what's sad is Eli ate of those fat portions. Eli grew old and fat as well. So we see greed and gluttony come together. Not in, the, in, in just the people of God, but in the very priesthood of God. Greed and gluttony together. And then we see his sons. That his sons, not only did they want the fat portions, but they also wanted to sleep with the women who came to offer sacrifices. And so we see that the, the priests of God are immoral. Lusting and getting what they want. And both of those show that this family had lost their regard for the Lord. This family did not fear the Lord anymore. These are familiar because I think they're our culture as well. And what's tragic is sometimes they're even the Christian culture. But our culture is after money. Our culture is, is wanting to just satiate itself on food, on substances, on whatever we can get, there is no restraint. And if you're a parent trying to restrain your children, you can often be labeled as the bad guy. And then the third thing is our culture does not regard the Lord. Even Christians do not regard the Lord. Because I think sometimes if we did regard the Lord, we would look at our actions and we'd say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. How is your word going to inform what I'm about ready to do? Versus, God, I'm going to do some stuff and I hope you bless it. Those, those are, it seems like those are the categories that we live in. And God says to Samuel here, I'm going to do something that will make your ears tingle. Again, I said in other verses, it's your ears shudder. And so what, what is this saying? Um, in the ancient world, um, when you have large armies marching, the ground shudders. Your ears vibrate. This is the saying. It's used several times in Scripture. I'm going to do something that you are afraid of. God is saying, I will do something you're afraid of. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I got to be on the deck of an aircraft carrier, went on a Tiger cruise. It was pretty awesome. But they launched some uh, F-14s. The whole carrier vibrated with the wash of their engines. 
We were like 50 yards away in the heat we could feel. And then when you think about the capacity of those fighter jets to inflict destruction on the enemy, it was something that you walk away like this is, like my ears are tingling a little bit. I cannot stand up to a fighter jet. This is the same kind of picture that God is telling his people. I'm about ready to do something, and you should be scared. Verse 15 and 16, and, and, and we're going to come back to that in a minute. But verse 15 and 16, Samuel lay down until the morning. Then he opened the doors of the Lord's house. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son, here I am, answered Samuel. Again, sometimes we are afraid to tell people the things in God's word. Sometimes we might even be afraid to tell our children the things in God's word. Samuel is afraid to tell Eli what he has heard. Let's keep reading. What was the message he gave you, Eli asked. Don't hide it from me. May God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything. and did not hide anything from him. Eli responded, he is the Lord. He will do whatever he thinks is good. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let nothing he said prove false. All Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a confirmed prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh because there he revealed himself to Samuel by his word. Two responses. Eli said, he is the Lord. He will do whatever he thinks is good. Um, he will. But that's a tough point to say. That's a tough tone to have. Do you hear Eli's tone? God's sovereign. He'll just do whatever he thinks is good. I'm not going to change who I am. I'm not going to alter my behavior I'm not going to rise up. I'm just going to let God do whatever he does. And it's good. The different response was with Samuel. Samuel grew. And it says that God revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And so we're faced with his choice as believers because Eli was a believer. He was a priest, even though he was trapped in sin. He was afraid and didn't know how to get out of that. And he'd lost his fear of God. He was still a believer. But he said, God can do whatever he wants. Almost like this fatalistic detachment. That's one choice. The other choice is Samuel's choice, that Samuel continued to grow in the strength and knowledge of God, the favor of God and men, and God revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And so all the things that Samuel came would come to pass because the integrity of his character, his commitment to God, his word.
So I think, why are children and adults afraid as we come back to this story? Uh, Perhaps it is scary monsters in the closet. Maybe it's secrets that you have and you're afraid to tell or you just don't know how to get out. Maybe it's just past decisions and actions that, that you've made that you've messed up. Eli messed up. Maybe you've been hurt. There's a lot of reasons why we're afraid, both as adults and kids. But maybe we're afraid because there actually is a real justice that will come in this world. Maybe we're afraid because there's a God of accountability. And maybe there is a pressure on us that there is one who requires right just and good behavior and actions and thoughts from us. So how do we take this story, this this gem of a story, and how do we speak to that fear? I think we have to look to Christ. We must look to Christ. And there's two things Um, Two parallels here. One, uh, I love how it just says that Samuel grew in wisdom and stature and favor. The funny thing is that is echoed when it talks about Jesus growing in the Gospels. That Jesus also grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God. And the second thing we have to realize is in in, in 1 Samuel 2, God makes a promise. And he makes a promise to Eli that says that he was going to raise up a faithful high priest because Eli is not faithful. And so Samuel becomes this faithful high priest, this last judge. But Samuel is, is not the last high priest. Samuel's life is pointing to another high priest who will come. And that priest will come as a babe in a manger, and he will make all things right. He will pay for sin. He will make the perfect sacrifice one day. And so the fear that we have, the right fear that we have about justice and accountability to God and consequences of sin, it's all met in Jesus Christ. He is paid for all of it. And he now invites us to believe in him. If that's something you've wrestled with, I want to invite you to just talk to someone that um, had brought you here. We'd love to share and explain the gospel with you more. If it's something that you wrestle with and you've believed in Jesus, but you're still afraid because you feel trapped like Eli. Today, now is the day for truth and repentance, for accountability with God. Because we shared earlier last week that God has never failed to keep his promise. The close of the story of Samuel and really of the high priesthood of Eli is one where God's people are defeated in battle. Eli's sons both die. And when Eli hears about it, he's leaning in a rocking chair and he has become old and fat. And that rocking chair tips over and he dies. The same day 
that his sons died. It's a tragic ending. But it's also a reminder, I think, to some of us. Do not allow ourselves to grow old and fat, but to grab the promises of God, to stand for righteousness, because there is a time that will come when Christ returns this earth and he is going to hold all things accountable. And those people who have not bowed their knee to him, those people who are not serving him will fall down and die. But his saints, the ones who believe in him, they will not draw back. They will not perish. They will not die, but they'll have eternal life with him. So um, at this point, if you're thinking of some questions, uh, feel free to text them in. I wanted to make one or two application points, um, and, uh, and then we can tackle some of those questions. Um, when our kids come to us and they're afraid in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., we can give them words. We can tell them things. I'll just give you a few of my favorites. Um, I like to tell my kids, listen, kids, daddy is the biggest and scariest person in the house. I don't think it works all the time. Sometimes I, you know, I'll, I'll look under the bed, see no monsters under the bed. Nothing in the closet. But you know what really works the best when my kids are afraid? If I just wrap them up in a big hug and sit in bed with them for a couple minutes. That's all. That's what works the best. When we are afraid, that's what God wants to do to us. He wants for us just to spend time in his presence. May we remember that as big kids and as parents, may you remember the best thing that's going on when your kids are afraid is to spend time with them. Don't be too busy. Don't try to provide all the answers. Just allow your presence to be with them. Um, one of the most frequent commands in the Bible is do not be afraid. God says that a lot because he doesn't want us to be afraid. 365 times, do not be afraid is said in scripture. Once per every day of the year. We have a faith where we don't need to be afraid and we can tell our children that. Jesus actually tells us there's actually only one thing to be afraid of. And that's God. And Jesus tells us, I will be afraid of the one who will judge you and cast your soul into darkness. So if we're talking about what really should we fear, we should fear God and regard him and obey him. And I think that's an application that we need to take away. You see, Eli knew that stuff, but he did not obey and worse, he did not restrain his children. That's a really tough one for us as parents. How do we restrain our children? Samuel, though, it says, knew and obeyed. Um, let's look at some questions. And uh, we've got one, one final point. But yeah, let's look at some questions. So awesome first question, is it a sin to be afraid? Um, well, it's certainly not a sin to be afraid of the Lord. 
Um, I think that there's a lot of things that scare us and frighten us. Um, I, I think that's a real emotion. So I don't think it's a sin to be frightened, to be afraid. I do think we need to start wrestling with, does fear paralyze us? Does fear cause us to become immobile to where we don't even believe the promises of God? Over and over and over again in Scripture, Jesus says, do not be afraid. Promise after promise after promise for us not to be afraid. And I think one of the reasons why we become afraid so often is we've fixed our life in this life. And we've not fixed our life in the life to come. And if your life is fixed in this life, then I think you will have fear. And you'll probably have a lot of it. But let's fix our eyes to Christ, to his coming kingdom, and trust in his victory. Um, if you're afraid, again, I think that's okay. How are you processing that with scripture? How are you, how are you sitting in the presence of the Lord? <laughs> uh, your suit is sharp. Did your wife dress you? <laughs> Not this morning. This is all me. I wanted to get a little decked out for Christmas. I haven't worn a suit in church for a while. And then I also wanted to look a little bit better than Randy this morning because Randy is always sharp, guys. Man, always sharp. What do you recommend for someone who's afraid because they've experienced significant abuse, trauma in their past that keeps them from believing in God? I think that's a really good question. Um, the last thing I'd recommend is, and if you've ever heard someone say this, is, is for, well, you know, just get over it and read your Bible. Just get over it is the last thing. Read your Bible is the first thing. And then I think, who, how are you processing that? You know, I think one of the first steps is, wow, read the word, but find a Christian counselor as well. Find someone that you can take some time walking through that. And that might always be there. But don't become so busy or so hurt or bitter or jaded that you don't take time to find the answers. Right? For kids and adults, we don't want to find the answers, and so we just busy ourselves with life. But we have hurt, and things have happened to us. And so take time. It might cost, but again, I think professional Christian counseling is a great first step. Another step is, is becoming part of a small group, having relationships where you've able to have the freedom to confess some of these hurts, and you have some close friends that know and that can help you along and that can walk with you. We'll do one more question, and then we'll, we'll call it. Yeah, in our days, can we expect for God to speak audibly and specifically to us, or can we expect to hear God through only the scriptures? Um. Maybe it's kind of a, uh, an out of that question, but if you just put your um, 
Bible on audiobook. <laughs> it reads it. God will speak audibly, right? So I, uh, I make light of that, I think, to say that the, the canon of Scripture um, is, is closed. And I've actually started telling people this. You know, I'm, uh, I want to hear from God or, you know, I want to, I'm praying about this. And I used to tell people a lot, well, yeah, just pray about it. And I'm, I'm trying to just stop. I want to just stop trying to say that. Because sometimes we can pray about it, but really just end up doing the decision that we wanted to do anyways. And I'm trying to tell people, read about it. Read the story of God and allow the time spent in his word to bring truth and insight into the decision that you're facing. Read through stories and characters in the Bible that might be facing something similar that you're facing. Read God's revelation. How did Samuel hear from the Lord? So good, we're just going to have to go right back to it. Last verse. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh because there he revealed himself to Samuel by his word. How do we hear from God? By his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the riches of your word that have been given to us. Lord, we thank you that when we are afraid, when we're even paralyzed, we can turn to your word and see your faithful promises time after time after time again. And so, Lord, we ask this morning that even in this Christmas season that we would make time and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Lord, I pray that um, we would grow with you in wisdom and knowledge and favor. And Lord, that you would reveal your word to us as a community. You would reveal your word to us as individuals so that we might not be afraid for what can man do to us. Would we press on towards the prize of eternal life in Christ Jesus? Amen.